Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of The War Room, uh, a podcast about uh, successful founders and executives and great companies and their oh shit moments and how they dealt with them. I'm Mohad Samet, I'm the CEO of True Accord, and today I'm here with Ali Portnoy. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Very, very good to have you and to hear your story today. So um, tell us the, the background uh, about you, about your, your company and where you are today. And then we'll dive in. Absolutely. So my uh, my quick background is that I'm I'm a serial entrepreneur. I, I love the idea of starting companies, and I've been doing it for a while. So um, previously started a company to help low wage labor find jobs. Um, then spent a little bit of time at Amazon learning how to be a product manager and how to build technology. And then built a company called Think Near that we sold within eighteen months of inception. And most recently, I've been the co-founder and CEO of, of a company called Sense360 that was recently acquired by Medallia. Okay, so good ex- good exit. Uh, you guys were at it for what uh, six years when you got acquired, more or less. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. exactly six years. So quite a journey. So uh, okay, so let's let's talk about this this big ocean moment and how you recovered. Set the stage. What's uh, what's the time? What's going on? How do you find out about what what is going on? Yeah, absolutely. So the the time frame is March of 2020, and as I'm sure mm-hmm. everyone here knows, that's that's really when COVID hit the United States and when the stay at home orders happened and when when things were in in quite a state. And so to set the stage, at that point we were a, a decent sized company. We were. Um, we, we had quite a few marquee clients. We had a really nice growing business of recurring revenue. Things, things were looking good for us. And we were um, in, the, in the process of raising a Series B. Mm-hmm. And uh, most of our customers at that point were large restaurant chains. So think of the biggest restaurant chains in the world. More likely than not, they were customers of ours. And we had already started to diversify and move beyond restaurants. And we had some retailers and we had some CPGs, but predominantly about 75 to 80% of our revenue was still from restaurants. And which obviously COVID killed. Absolutely killed. So once the stay at home orders were issued, all of our restaurants, basically their business just fell off a cliff where people weren't coming in and um, especially the casual dining and the full service dining restaurants were really the primary way that people order their food was in person. Those businesses were just shut down completely. And so we, in the first or second week of the, of the stay at home orders, we started to get calls from our customers basically telling us we're, we're really sorry. We're having this conversation with all of our vendors, but we can't pay you. We cannot Mm -hmm. pay you. And you have basically two choices. You can sue us because we are under contract or you can work with us and and hope that over the next few months, the stay-at-homers orders are lifted and business gets back to normal and that we can start working together. And we, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. How are you, how do you find out about this? You know, you're running the company. Are are they calling you? Are they calling your team? Are people kind of, is this like a rolling thing? Is this like an overnight thing? How does that come to you? Yeah. So, so we have a a really great customer success team and they, they have very strong relationships with our clients and they were getting calls basically 
telling them this, this really hard news. And so the team mm-hmm. would come back to me and tell me, Hey, we got a call today. You know, this is what they said. How do you want to handle it? And then a, another two hours later, a, another sure. person on the team calls me and says, I had the same conversation. And then a few hours later, another one. And basically in the first, like, you know, I don't remember if it was the first week or the second week, but within a couple of days of each other, we had multiple of these calls representing about 15% of our revenue. So a very dramatic amount. And the, the scary thing was, it just felt like a, like a, a, a tidal wave where it yeah. or a lot more to come. We, we feared that every one of our customers was going to have a similar conversation with us. Yeah. So what's the, you know, I ask people sometimes about kind of the, the, the mindset. What's the point at which you say to yourself, this is real. I have to react. Like you, you shift your, you shift your perspective and you go into crisis mode and like, I, I got to think about, I got to think about this seriously. Well, we went into crisis mode pretty fast for, for a couple of reasons. The first is when more than one customer wants to cancel um, mm-hmm. or at least suspend payment, that that's scary, especially when we were in the midst of a series B set of conversations. It right. a, doesn't make our metrics look great, but more importantly, it means that whatever runway we thought we had, we now had less of it. And most mm-hmm. importantly is the backdrop of COVID where I understood why they were calling me. I probably would have done the same thing if I was in their shoes. And I then project out to the rest of our customer base and I say, everyone's going to call me. So I right. took it seriously after that first call. But then once once we were talking about three, four or five calls, I, I was starting to get very nervous. Yeah. So what do you do? I mean, do you, did you have co-founders at Sensitive CXC? I did. I had I had a co-founder, a technical co-founder who was our CTO um, and and head of engineering, and then we also had um, our head of sales effectively joined within two three months of the of the company starting. So so Mikey Renan was effectively a co-founder as well. Mm-hmm. And you you turn to them and you say, "This is real. We got to take this seriously." Yeah. So so especially with Mikey. Uh, who who ran sales and who was very close to the customers, the two of us sat down and we brought in a couple of other people, Molly Debris, who ran customer success and Andrew Kustash, who headed up our analytics team. And, and we really sat down and we said, we got to solve this because if we don't solve it, it's not even just about the revenue that, that we expected that isn't coming in. It's about all the other revenue that's potentially at risk that we don't know about. Mm-hmm. And so we we had a brainstorming session where the question was, how do we turn into our, ourselves into the most indispensable product so that even if a business is completely shut down and they have zero revenue themselves, they're still going to pay us? Because that was the bar we felt we felt we had to hit. Yep. And we, we sort of looked really deep and we said to ourselves, well, we're ultimately a data company. And typically what we use our data for is to help these brands make decisions about uh, how to how to better serve their customers and who their customers are and a, a lot of very important questions during the course of a normal day to day of running a business, but questions that were completely meaningless in a world of COVID. Meaning, you might really care about whether your promotion is working and whether your ad campaign is working in a normal day, but if no one's coming into your business, it just really does not matter. Yeah. And so we, we said to ourselves, how do we turn our product into something that's indispensable? And what we said was, well, we've got all this data. And yes, the, the current applications don't make a lot of sense during COVID. But what are some of the possible applications that would make sense during COVID? And as we started to talk to our customers, what became very apparent was that as scared as we were about our business, they were 
10 times as worried about their business because it wasn't just customers saying we need to pause or we can't pay. It was basically the government shutting them down and telling them Mm -hmm. your customers can't come to your business. And so they were all frantically trying to figure out how are they going to stay alive? And what they were trying to figure out was what does stay at home orders mean? How are consumers reacting? They still have to eat. So where are they getting their food from? Where are they spending their money? What do they care about? What are the things that they would use? Um, Would they still do um, drive through? Would they, or would they be too scared to do that? Would they, do delivery, like what are the channels by which they're going to consume their food? What are the menu items that they're going to care about? And how are they thinking? And what are their perceptions? And these were questions that no one at these customers knew the answers to. No one at, at these customers had any sense because it was just such an unprecedented time. And, and we said to ourselves, we have the data and the capabilities to go and figure this out and answer it. And if we do that, that's indispensable. Every restaurant no. is going to need that. And every restaurant is going to be willing to pay us for it even if it's the only thing they pay for. So we yeah, need it's to- interesting. It's, it's very interesting uh, that and you're not the only, uh, I've had a, another discussion in another episode with a founder. It's like you're faced with revenue going out the door. You're faced with a crisis. You turn to product. You're not discounting. You're not, you're just like, hey, we just, how about we find a different product? It's pretty, it's fascinating. And it's, it's, it's a testament to like the strength of the team and so on. Why do you think that is? I mean, what kind of drove you to say, oh, let's let's find a different product? Because you're in the middle of your Series B. You're not, you know, you're not five people in the room. You're probably, I don't know, 30, 40, 50, 100 people. Yeah, it was like 30 something of us. And yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's a really interesting point. The reason why I turned to product is because I felt like it was such an existential moment where folks were leaving us mid-contract because they were having an existential moment. And yep. it wasn't about the margins. It wasn't about whether we lowered price or whether we changed our pitch or whether we, you know, included more whatever in the in the product. Like to me, it was an existential question about the viability of what we were offering and the fact that the world was changing so dramatically that what we were offering was the wrong thing to be offering. And that's why we kind of went back to product and said, what what do we need to what do we need to provide to make this this work? Yeah. That's Amazing. And so you guys start, you find that, that thing, you know, the data product to help the, to help clients adjust to the new reality. Um, that culminates basically eventually you guys get acquired. Uh, great, great landing for the team and for you and, uh, great success overall, which is, which is awesome. And you guys have found that, that the path forward through basically the world falling apart for your, for your segment. Um, when you, what do you think kept the team together? What do you what do you think kept you guys kind of managing the crisis and, and really keeping together and being able to deliver value and, and do something here? Well, it was such a unique moment, and the world felt like it was falling apart on us both at at the business level, but also on a personal level. And mm-hmm. the the team was already very tight, and I think trusted itself, but also felt a deep commitment to kind of figuring it out and getting to the other side. And when we had this shared vision and we all sort of rode in the same direction of like, we've got to transform ourselves and we've got to do something that none of us have ever done before. And we need to do it in record time. It it brought everyone together. It just, it became this incredibly sort of like insurmountable mountain that if we could climb, it would be amazing. And it, it was amazing to me that when I remember that meeting, 
And coming out of that meeting, it was amazing to see every single person on their team, not just carry their weight, but carry two times their weight in, in rowing in this direction. And, you know, product went out and, and did everything it could. And Jeremy Shapiro, who headed a, who heads up product for us, just like built incredible amount of new solutions for us. And um, Molly went out to all our customers and explained how we were repositioning and, and the CE team did that. And then our, our sales team went out and, um, Andrew, who was our head of analytics and the entire analytics team spent, they basically went out and as part of this initiative, they said, we're going to create a free daily briefing where we're going to use our data and for free to anyone in the industry who's trying to figure out these questions, we're just going to put out a webinar every single day. So they were working, you know, 16 hour days to make this happen. But Mm -hmm. the, the outcome of it was amazing where all, all of us were rowing in the same direction. And as a result, the customers that had left us, they started to come back. One of the most amazing examples is one of the women who worked at one of our customers who was um, contemplating stopping to, to pay us. When we did this, not only did she get a ton of value out of it and not suspend the contract, but she told us that she thinks she didn't get fired as a result of all the data that we were providing and how valuable it made her to her organization. And that was incredibly rewarding. But beyond that, and keeping our customers, we started to grow in the midst of COVID. In in the April timeframe, we were signing up massive restaurant chains. Where on the other side of it, they were doing mass layoffs, and and yeah. I think that speaks to the the impact we were able to have. Hundred uh, percent, absolutely, and it's a, it's an inspiring story. How do you how do you measure psychology through this? Right, some people just can't sleep at night. Some people, you know, need support from friends. Some people go into their bat cave, kind of. How are you thinking about that? How did you experience that? I mean, on a personal level, it was a very, very difficult period because the, I mean, there was a personal side of things, which is I need to also make sure my family's okay. My kids are okay. Mm -hmm. We've got to be an emotional support to to other people in our lives. Um, While at the same time, folks at the company were going through a very difficult time and um, scared and all of those different emotions. And so that was that was really important, but it was also very personally draining. And then on top of that, it was this existential crisis that I didn't know if it would turn out well or not. And all I could do was try. So, yeah, I, I was waking up. I mean, in generally, I don't sleep so well. And during this period, I, I slept even worse. Um, and it was just push, push, push and trust mm-hmm. that we all come together. It'll happen. But it was not an easy period. Yeah, and it did. It did come together. So. Looking back, people are listening, you know, they may be in their own kind of crisis mode right now uh, and uh, dealing with, with, these, with these issues. What, what, can, what lessons can you share with, uh, with people listening about how to deal with these issues, how to think about them, how to think about these crises that, you know, you just don't know if you're going to emerge from them. And the only thing you can do is to just power through and hope for the best. So there are a couple of lessons that I took. The first one and the most important one is that I had a tendency whenever something, a problem came up, I, I kept it to myself and I tried to shield the team from the problem. This problem was just too big and too dramatic that I couldn't do that. And so I brought in everyone into the problem. And that was so much better on so many different fronts because then the team understood what the problem was and was able to help solve the problem and became really vested in solving the problem. And so the, the the most important lesson I took is that 
you got to build a team and an executive team that that you can bring into the problems and help be part of the solution rather than feeling like you've got to be the super person to, to solve everything. And that's dramatically changed the way I approach big and small problems. I don't, I don't try to be a problem solver anymore. I try to bring in the right people to help solve the problem. Mm. So that was, that was one. The second thing is it was also just about transparency. I, I tried really hard with the broader team to make sure that, I didn't sugarcoat what was happening. It was existential. There were lots of risks. It was really scary. And um, the team knew that. And just trying to be transparent about where we were, um, I thought was important and, and helped us, helped everyone kind of galvanize around the fact that this is pretty dramatic and, and we do have to rally together to, to solve it. And then just having a support system internally, my family, the the folks that helped help me personally get through it because this is my third startup and every startup has existential moments and every startup has difficult times where you just don't think you're going to come out the other end. And most of the time, if you push really hard, you you do, but you need to have a support system that can give you the energy and the strength to get to the other side. Yeah. The uh, significant others and the friends are the unsung heroes of uh, startup life. Absolutely. It, it's so many ups and downs. It's just incredible. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, Ellie, thank you so much for coming and sharing from your experience and, and your big ocean moment and how you recovered from it and turn it around, sold the company to, to Medallia. And now you're there, right? I mean, you're, you're running one of the, basically running the same division for the company. Yeah. And it's been fantastic. Since, since that moment, things have just been, um, really great. And Medallia has been fantastic and it, it, you know, it's been really fun. Excellent. Well, thanks again for coming and thanks for everyone to, for listening uh, to another episode of The War Room, a podcast about uh, founders and executives of great companies and uh, their oh shit moments and how they dealt with them and recovered from them. Uh, have a great day. And uh, if you if you or anyone else uh, wants to be on the podcast and share your experience, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, we'll be happy to talk to you.